Art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, and it usually communicates some sort of message within that medium. Art can be painting, sculpture, literature, music, dance, drama, or it can be film. Motion pictures, TV shows, streaming series, they're all a work of visual art that tells a story that simulates experiences and communicates ideas, perceptions, feelings, beauty, or atmosphere through the use of moving images. Film is a very powerful form of art. Over the years, films have been used to powerfully communicate various ideas in very persuasive ways. Every film tells a story, but there's always a story behind the story. The story behind the story is the story of life and humanity. The answers to the questions of origin, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. Chances are, every writer, producer, director, or artist is using the medium of film to share with you, the viewer, their worldview. What it is they believe about origin, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. So how can we recognize these stories behind the stories? How can we as Christians practice discernment as we view the medium of film? And is Nicolas Cage a good actor or a bad actor? Welcome to the Beard and Bible Podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by Gabe. Gabe, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. <clears throat> Thank you for asking. Very kind of you. You're welcome. Where are you at? There's a different. There's a different situation going on behind you. I'm in my office here at the church this morning. Okay. I feel like getting newly remodeled. Newly remodeled. Do you want to see it? Yeah, let's mm-hmm. see. Sure. If you can. Move the camera. There's the. Okay. There's there, a there. window and a couch. Yeah, I don't have anything up on the walls quite yet, except for my Georgia Bulldog pennant. Um, mm. Yeah. I'm still getting a quote back on some bookshelves. There's a guy that okay. I had quoted me bookshelves and it was astronomically high. And so. Mm. Ain't doing that. So. Mm. Just go to Ikea, man. Get a flurgeon. <laughs> <laughs> In normal store, it's a bookshelf. In Ikea, it's a flurgy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that you were like, okay, inspirational, biblical posters, <laughs> uh, Georgia, Georgia. Oh, i got to hang my Georgia pennant. That's a, that's priority. Yeah. There's not even pictures of my family. It's just my Georgia pennant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably bad. You were like nagging the guys who were doing the remodel, like, when can I hang my pennant? When can I hang it? Now? Like, we're, now? we're not done painting. I'm like, I don't care. It goes up. Yeah. <laughs> if you take that pennant off the wall, there's like a pennant shaped like gap in the paint. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, um, things going well in the Rutledge house? They are. They are. Thank you. Awesome. Um, trying to think there's anything anything of of note. But uh, no, just typical parenting, family stuff, just, mm. you know, living the dream. Yes. Yeah. Um, we just had a great Memorial Day hangout, shindig, cookout thing yeah. with some friends of ours. Nice. Down at, down at a lake. 
beautiful nice. lake in the lake house and awesome. Got the got the paddle board out. There did you some go. some aquatic activities. Awesome. Man. On a full belly. Yes. Yeah. Memorial Day hangouts are always premium. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. We went over to our our friend the Scots, Jesse and Kayla. And uh they always do the Murph. Do you know the Murph? The Murph mm-hmm. workout? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing the Murph with them every Memorial Day for the past few years. And, uh, oh yeah, I can't walk today. Yeah, yeah. Now the Murph is like you put on a twenty pound weighted vest mm-hmm. and you do a bunch of calisthenics and two miles of running. And yes. Is that like an all day thing for you? I've never tried the Murph. So typically you can do it in under an hour. Um, so it's a one mile run. Hmm. It's a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 air squats, and then a one-mile run with the vest. Mm. Okay, so it's like bookended by a mile Yeah, run. so I always modify it because mm. I'm not a very good pull-upper. I'm not like you. You're, mm-hmm. you're a great pull-upper. You'd, you'd nail it with the pull-ups. Um, so I did rings. I did ring rows, 100 ring rows. Hmm. Um, and, man, I've been running so much that I haven't really – I mean, honestly, like I think the last time I did push-ups and pull-ups was this time last year the Murph 2022, but. Oh, wow. So that you're super sore. Oh my gosh, man. Sore isn't the word for it. Like, I, <laughs> I mm. can't even like doing this. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't even, if you're listening, you're like, what is he doing? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, yeah. Lifting my arm. Can't do it. It's yeah. hard to do. So, but, uh, yeah, some of the guys and gals that come out are like me. We're not really CrossFitters, and so we just kind of tag along and have fun, and others are serious CrossFitters, and those folks are really impressive to watch. Cause, cause mm-hmm. Now, do they do the whole CrossFitter pull-up thing where they're like their body is writhing? and They do. And uh, oh, what's that just called? Um, contorting. I think that's that's the name of it. Kip. Yeah. yeah, some of them do. But honestly, man, to do 100 pull-ups that's kind of the only way to do it you know unless you're like a navy with, seal. A, with a 20 pound weight of vest on yeah, yeah 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 so um it's still super still super impressive to see some of them do it yeah but uh yeah no it's always always a good time with it but yeah my, my wife was making fun of me last night it's mm-hmm. hard when you're sore and you have three young kids because they don't get it so they like you know dive bomb into your lap with their hard skulls right into your thigh mm. and it hurts really bad so Mm. This might be too much information, but I, I was so sore last night. My wife was at her life group. Mm. I tried to get the soreness out by soaking in the tub. And I got mm. in the tub, and then I didn't think about what goes in the tub must come out of the tub. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I almost got stuck in the bathtub by myself at the wow. house. And, uh, yeah, that was a concern. That was a real concern. Yeah, you would have been like, Three hours, you would have been like a prune. You would have been like a giant prune sitting in the tub. My wife's just in her life group talking about Jesus, and there mm-hmm. I am at the house. You need like a life alert necklace <laughs> you wear in the tub. Beep, you know? beep, honey, I can't get up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, that would have been a good scene from a movie. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a funny, funny mm-hmm. movie? You like my transition? It would be a good movie. Yeah. 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 We should talk about. Movies, because people watch movies a lot in the United States of America and elsewhere, and yes, usually they they influence culture, and culture influences movies. And absolutely, yeah, 
Yeah. Gabe, what's your favorite movie? It's all about. Man, it's a toss-up between um, Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Defiance, a movie called Defiance. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? With Daniel Craig yeah. and uh, Live Schreiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, what about you? What's your favorite? What's your favorite movie? Uh, what's your favorite movie? Um, Saving Private Ryan. Mm. It's probably my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Independence Day. Independence Day. Yeah. Close second. Yeah. Shanghai Nights with Jackie Chan mm. and Owen Wilson. Anything Jackie Chan. Anything yeah. with yeah early Owen Wilson before he found his groove. That's you know behind enemy lines mm. that kind of stuff. No. Now same part, Ryan. I think. Yeah, that's man. That was mm, like it was it was a definitely monumental movie when it came out. Like it's in terms of the special effects and the intensity of it. I mean, yes. and those. When that ramp dropped, it was like everyone that went to that theater was like, what did I just get myself into? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big um, World War II history guy, so I had Mm. read um, D-Day by Stephen Ambrose, and Mm. then I watched Saving Private Ryan after reading uh, D-Day, which is the kind of the, the seminal work of history on the Normandy invasions. And so watching that film after having read a book of history about it is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Just the things, the little things that got right. So I always love movies that, that kind of get into the details of that. So mm-hmm. what's a good movie you've seen recently? Hmm. That is a good question. So, this podcast episode is going to be filled with me going like, no, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that. Because <laughs> I am so lazy about watching movies and shows. I just have so, so short of an attention span that I cannot sit. And it's usually around my bedtime, so I'm usually just like going conscious by the right, time. Right, right, right. You have cinematic narcolepsy. A good movie we've seen recently. Man, that is a tough question. Um I don't know. I'm going to pass and okay. let you answer. Okay. What's, what's something you've seen recently? So Jenny and I like to do this thing where um, every year after the Oscar Best Picture nominees come out, we will work our way down that list of like like Best Picture nominees. And so I've watched most of the ones that got nominated for the Best Picture this past year. And I would say mm-hmm. my f- two favorite from the ones that got nominated, one called The Fablemans. Uh, it was directed by Steven Spielberg, and it's essentially a biopic of Steven Spielberg's life and his family. Really, really, really good. Mm. And then All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, I need to see that. Oh, man. It was good? It was phenomenal. Yeah, it's in German, so you got to watch subtitles or you got to watch the dub version. But, um, mm. yeah, probably, um, yeah, one of the more realistic World War One movies that's out there um really 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 was it better than 1917 Ah, i think i still like 1917 better really yeah but uh yeah super 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 good because it you know it tells Mm. the story from a different vantage point it's the 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 german forces in world war one but um yeah i remember that was a very uh, influential movie in high school watching the old one with the you know i don't know it came out in the 80s or something Yeah. yeah And watching that, you know, in the very end when he reaches for the butterfly or whatever. Yeah. 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 So did they do that towards the end of the I'm movie? Not gonna give away, the I'm not going to give away spoilers. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, so I'll have to watch it on Netflix again. Yeah. So, um, obviously, as a pastor and a follower of Jesus, not every movie that comes out um, I'm able to watch because obviously there's some that's like, okay, there's some things in that movie, just content-wise, that are not things I need to put into my mind and I need to put my eyes before. So, you know, got to be careful and filter in terms of content. But I think what's always interesting is that is is my wife and I kind of work our way through that list every year. It's almost like we get to put our finger on the pulse of the world views that are being batted around by um, people in Hollywood and writers. And it's almost like you get to see how people who do not know Jesus make sense of some of the big questions of life. Hmm. And um, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. How, how do films preach a sermon? How do films preach a message? Because basically every time you turn on the radio, every time you turn on the TV, every time you watch a movie, you are hearing a sermon or you're watching a sermon. You're watching a teaching about um, how the world works and what are the answers to the big questions of life. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that today. I can finally answer the question, but I'm going to rephrase the question. What's the what's a terrible movie you've seen recently? And that was that was last week. I watched the new Top Gun. Unfortunately, you didn't I, like I, it. I, I, I despised it. Oh yeah, man, it was awful! You just don't like Tom Cruise. Uh, Is that it? I do like Tom Cruise. Okay, and I I woefully regretted watching that. Really? Movie. Yeah the new the new Top Gun. Yeah. Wow. So, anyways, oh, that's too bad. Just, yeah, I thought it was campy and cheesy, but I thought the mm-hmm. the first one was campy and cheesy, but we didn't know it because yeah. it was the Hades and everything was campy and cheesy. And maybe because I didn't watch the original, that see, I didn't see. go, I didn't go into it expecting that cheesy, and I didn't, I maybe I didn't know that that was like an intentional thing. It was, it was, was everything uh, was trying to uh, nod and flashback to the original. Uh, yeah, that's why I didn't like it. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. So uh, somebody's worldview is their way of understanding reality, and uh, it's really the answers to the big questions of life that every human being asks. And so we're going to look at, like, five basic questions of a worldview. Um, first is the question of origin, and that is where do we come from? Second is the question of identity. Who are we? Third is the question of meaning. Why are we here? The fourth is the question of morality. How should we live? And the fifth is the question of destiny. Where are we going? Where are we going? Or if you're Dave Matthews, where are we going? (laughs) Uh, Gabe, we're all kind of asking these questions. Do you agree with that? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're asking them or finding creative ways to avoid asking them. Hmm. Seems like. Explain yeah. that to me. Well, I think uh, kind of like the TikTok culture, it's just like, you know, let's just 
make ourselves numb and thumb through all these little things that, you know, are 10 seconds long and make us laugh, you know, right. and not have to really grapple and have to sit for a moment of silence. We're just constantly bombarded by distractions and stuff from those questions. And hmm. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, you know, yeah, we, we would, if, if given, if given the opportunity, we, we would, and when I say we kind of like collectively, we would, we would probably avoid those questions if, if we could, if there's a lot of, if there's a lot of uh, question marks that come with those, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's really interesting. And I, and I think, yeah, you're right. There are definitely forms of entertainment that are mind numbing. Mm. And uh, that's kind of the whole point of the entertainment to keep someone from asking these questions because they don't want to know the answer to them. Right. Mm. Mm. But, you know, as human beings, we all have shared experiences of things like beauty and pain and desire and loss and death and life. And so we have to make sense of those things. We can stick our head in the sand when it comes to things like death. And I think you're right. A lot of like mind numbing entertainment doesn't want to deal with the realities of things like that. Um, But art is when somebody leans into that and somebody starts to grapple with these shared experiences and try to make sense of it. And, um, not every form of entertainment can be art, right? So not not every film can be considered artistic, I don't think. Um, maybe maybe it is art. Maybe it's just bad art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but real art that kind of um, touches the soul and moves the emotion is um, the kind of medium that really starts to try to answer those questions and grapple with those shared experiences. Um, and, and I think for you and I, I mean, we're both musicians. And so like when we listen to music and stuff, I think for me at least, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I, I only like music that, um, especially songwriters that, that get into those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the mm-hmm. killers album that came out um, in 2022 or 2021 um, pressure machine. Uh, essentially a concept album about um, growing up in a small Mormon town. Mm. And I was listening to it mm. last night. <clears throat> it's just, it's powerful. It's just, it's so, it's dark and it's haunting and it's beautiful. And it like talks about all these things like death and life and, you know, uh, you know hypocrisy and religion. And it's like you get into it and you're like, man, this this is like for real, right? And it touches your soul because you're like, man, I, I, I relate to that. I resonate with that. That's art, right? Hmm. For you, is it the same way with music? I mean, you do you prefer music that's more of that, or? I think. Well, I think you've always been a deeper thinker than I have. I do value that a little bit, but um, not. I don't think as much as you do, and that probably correlates over into like films. Hmm. Um. You know, I remember, I remember, uh, did you ever take in, in college, did you ever take a intro to a film or something like that? I, forget I don't think so. Called no. With, with, uh, Dendrinos, I think his name was. Oh, my brother had Dr. that. Dr. Dendrinos. Uh, had that class. Yeah. I never took it. Yeah. So like we would, we'd, we'd have to watch a movie throughout the week, watch a film. Let's call them films. <laughs> Can't call them movies <laughs> if it's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we would watch a film and then we'd have to come back to class and write a response about it or talk about it. 
And just the level at which people would dissect the storyline and stuff, I'd be like, oh, I just like, you know, I just like the part where he punched the guy and he just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, you know I would die hard I never really, hit him. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, yeah, he's, it's like he's two different people competing with himself. And it's like, you know, he's trying to save everyone after now everyone's trying to save him. And all this other, I'm like, what? What? No, I didn't see any of that. You know? <laughs> it's just funny. I've always been, I don't know, yeah. kind of simple that way. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, nevertheless, though, films can be very powerful and mm-hmm. they can be very persuasive. So obviously educational films have played a big role in helping shape the way people think. But then like, it gets more insidious when you start to study propaganda films. So 1915, The Birth of a Nation was a very powerful film that kind of um, in some places helped protect and sanction the Ku Klux Klan because of this propaganda film that came out in 1915. Um, pretty mm. dark stuff. Uh, Soviet propaganda films in the 1920s. Um, you can talk about North Korean propaganda films in the 1970s and 80s that basically control how people think in places like North Korea and the Soviet Union. Uh, the Triumph of the Will in 1935, which was a Nazi propaganda film. Um, and they actually had their whole, the, this whole department that was committed to making films that were propaganda films. I mean, pretty pretty powerful medium if you start thinking about it that way. Like, wow, they figured out if you tell a story using film, you put music in it, you get actors, you can change people's minds about certain things. Which mm-hmm. is pretty crazy, and of course, my favorite propaganda film, Rocky Four. <laughs> Can you see how Rocky Four would be a propaganda film? Yeah, yeah. What about like all the Rambo movies too? Yeah, think about yeah, First Blood. Like this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and even it's like, was it Rambo Four where he's in <laughs> Afghanistan fighting with the Mujahideen? I think like, that's Rambo Three. Rambo Three. Yeah. Is there a Rambo Four? I think they they keep trying to resurrect that franchise, and Stallone's oh, okay. like, "I'm 80 years old, let me yeah. die," and they're like, "Let me die in peace." No, go out there. Yeah, yeah. First Blood, the first Rambo movie, is is probably the most artistic. And then they were like, "Hey, what if we just mm-hmm. made him blow things up from?" <laughs> yeah. Well, the common denominator is like he's fighting communism, he's fighting the Soviets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's during the Cold War and stuff. Yeah. So films can change how you think about things, feel about certain topics or people or groups or issues. So the original Rambo is called First Blood. And uh, if you remember, John Rambo in First Blood is a Vietnam veteran who is a vet coming back from the war. And he just wants to be left alone. And nobody will leave him alone. And so then he uses all of the things that he learned from the U.S. military to kill everyone. (laughs) And essentially that was, you know, raising awareness of the plight of Vietnam veterans coming back from the war. Mm -hmm. But then movies like Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, that was made during the AIDS epidemic. So that was about the gay community in Philadelphia and how that was kind of happening at the time. The Life of David Gale in 2003, that was about the death penalty. Of a hot button topic. Uh, Debye, 2008. Made during the 2008 election, 
purposefully and unapologetically to sway the votes of people uh, for the Democratic Party because it was eight years of George W. Bush. And so basically a propaganda film unapologetically saying this is what eight years of voting Republican has got you. Um, hmm. John Q, 2002, is essentially a movie about the broken healthcare system. With Denzel Washington, great movie. Hurt Locker, 2008, first film really about the uh, war in Iraq. So the war in Iraq was mm-hmm. still going on when they made that movie. So, so yeah, so essentially, films are very powerful. They tell a story, but there's always a story behind the story. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. And the story behind the story is the story of life and humanity, the answers to the questions of origin, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. So chances are that writer, that director, that producer, that artist is using that medium of film to try to share with you their worldview, what they believe about that topic, what they believe about Mm. that issue, and ultimately what they believe are the answers to the big questions of life. Like, who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? What does it all mean? All that stuff. Hmm. So let's get into that story behind the story. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Tell us about the very first story. Uh, We're going to explore the first worldview is atheism and nihilism. But is it nihilism or Nihilism, nihilism, tomato, tomato, potato, mm. potato. Mm. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get it? That's a nihilism joke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Some of you got it. Some of you <laughs> didn't. <laughs> it's funny. I was uh, striking up a conversation with one of the, the carpenters who works for us, one of the trim carpenters. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, so he, you know, he grew up here in southern Alabama and seemed like kind of like, you know, the good old boy, you know, and. But it's funny because I was like, you know, trying to get to his worldview and trying to understand him more a little bit without kind of sounding cheesy or forced or anything. And I go, you know, so did you grow up, you know, church? Or did you go, to, you go to church around here? Or what's, you know, what's your, what's your story? You know, and he goes, oh no, he says, I am a hopeful agnostic nihilist, just like that. And I was like, really? Those don't fit in the <laughs> same sentence usually. Nihilism does not go together. Yeah, but it's just funny because yeah. he's just down there, you know, like stapling baseboard in this wall, and he just turns up. And he's like, "I'm a hopeful agnostic nihilist." I'm like, "Wow, oh, okay, okay." You have a lot of time to think, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to do is is go through those questions of origin, of meaning, of destiny, um, and and try to find some movies that fit these things. But yeah. um, what does atheism and nihilism? How does it? answer the question of origin hmm well nobody knows but it can't be god basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah this is i would say the most hopeless um when yeah. it comes to origin it just says you know this is we're all a product of chance and biological processes yeah. um, that we arose spontaneously out of the inert chemicals of planet earth hmm. um the result of, of a big bang uh, where there's gases in the atmosphere and all sorts of different chemicals, um, you know, and how where they came from. 
everyone doesn't know. But yeah, but it, but it can't be God. <laughs> eventually, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Um, eventually, you know, we created a a biological soup out of which the first self-replicating living cells emerged. Hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty pointless, pretty hopeless, purposeless existence in terms of of origin that sets us up for pretty uh, bleak outlook on life. Yeah. Um, but in terms of who we are and our identity, it doesn't get any better. Because this worldview would say that humanity is simply the most evolved inhabitants of the Earth's ecosystem. And Richard Dawkins... Happy fellow. ...is quoted... Yeah. He says, we are just survival machines, robot vehicles, blindly programmed to preserve the selfish molecules known as genes. Hmm. Hmm. So human beings are no different from animals. We just happen to be more Mm -hmm. highly involved in sentient and we have self-awareness, mm-hmm. and animals don't, basically. Mm. Yeah, in terms of meaning, and what this worldview says, it's we're a universe, this is Richard Dawkins again, in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you will not find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Because DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is. And we dance to its music. And that's uh, Richard Dawkins' book, River Out of Eden. A Darwinian view of life. Hmm. So nobody knows why we're here, according to this worldview. We're just here. And we've got to figure it out for ourselves. Or maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like that's become the predominant worldview of a lot of films I've seen recently. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about one here in a minute. But um, it, it... it some ways sounds empowering. You know, wow, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we're here. What a mystery. My goodness, how did we get here? We don't know. Why are we here? We don't know. Who are we? We're just, just like any other living thing. We're just, we happen to be sentient. And mm-hmm. we've got to figure out meaning for ourselves, right? I mean, it seems empowering, but when you start leaning into that, you're like, man, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking hopeless and bleak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is the worldview that is taught by taxpayer-funded education in the United States of America right now. Mm. And, you know, we're going on a few generations of this being taught as the predominant worldview in schools uh, to children. And so, yeah, this is this has a huge impact on not only the culture and, and our responses to it and morality, but also um, on media. For sure, and yeah. what, you know what what stories are being birthed out of this kind of hopelessness. Yeah, so it kind of leads us to um, the next one. How should we live? So, what would the answer to that be according to this worldview? Well, here what we're going to do is break it into two different types of atheism: new atheism, which uh, Luis Anthony says we find moral value to be eminence in the natural world, arising from the vulnerabilities of sentient or feeling beings. And from the capacities of rational beings to recognize and to respond to those vulnerabilities and capacities in others. And the other atheism, in terms of morality, would be classic atheism. This is kind of like Frederick Nietzsche. He says, morality is neither rational nor absolute nor natural. (laughs) Unless he's honest, right? The world has, yeah, the world has known many moral systems, each of which advances claims universally. Uh, uh, All moral systems are therefore particular serving a specific purpose for their propagators, 
or creators, and enforcing a certain regime that disciplines human beings for social life by narrowing our perspectives and limiting our horizons. So New Atheism would say, yeah, maybe there is kind of like this um, overarching morality that we kind of have to find and recognize and respond to that's kind of within ourselves, um, whereas classic atheism would say it's every man for himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and kind of the new atheists, like guys like Sam Harris, I think he wrote the book Good Without God, are are grasping at straws to try to say you can have morality without a belief in a higher power. And Hmm. they're trying really hard, and some of them are, are brilliant wordsmiths, but truthfully, it's a it's a house of cards. I mean, why should you be moral if there is no God? If we came here because of chance, <laughs> if we're nothing but highly mm-hmm. evolved life forces, and and like if there's really no meaning, we don't really know why we're here. Like, what's the point of morality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the question it turns into like. I can fulfill my desires as an organism up into the point of hurting somebody. Right. But the problem is that people like hurting other people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all going to kind of fall down and and settle on whoever has the biggest guns or the most money or both. Right. And that that is the source of morality, unfortunately. Yeah. I I think for a lot of people, the the new – Atheism basically says, well, we're all here sharing the same planet, so goodness is whatever is best for all of us. That's that's what it means to be a good person, you know, that you're not going to hurt anybody because we're all sharing the same space. And so really the only thing that can be seen as evil or wicked is somebody who opposes someone else pursuing their own happiness. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think you see that a lot in mm-hmm. all elements of our culture. Um, but that's kind of a, a decidedly secular, atheistic worldview in that. Mm. In terms of destiny, like where are we going? Uh, we have a quote in the notes here, Keith Cornish. He says, the simple fact is that all life forms will end in death and the elements of which they are composed return to the air and the earth to be taken up and recycled in some new organism. So in terms of destiny, it says this life is all that there is, and it's very short. We should expect uh, – so we should live it up to its fullest and pursue as much pleasure as possibly. Um, And we should work to make the lives of future generations better because that's the only moral kind of life we could live. Hmm. So, yeah, very bleak, hopeless, purposeless kind of – Kind of a restless way to look at it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, this is a very popular worldview, I think, for many people, not just in the U.S., but Western civilization as a whole. And so there are films that really kind of preach this message. Um, and part of what got the wheels in my head turning to do this podcast episode is the film that won the Oscar for Best Picture this past year is a film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Did you see that movie? Nope. This is my first. No, I have not seen it. <laughs> You're like, oh, get ready. Brace yourself. My, my first of many. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a very, 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 very interesting film. I'll just put it that way. 
Hmm. Highly entertaining, visually stunning in terms of how it looks. Uh, there's some some parts that I can't in good conscience recommend. I don't think it has any necessarily graphic things or anything like that. I mean, it's got some language and a couple other things. But the, the thing that disturbed me was not anything in the content. It was the philosophy that it hmm. pushed. Everyone was raving about the visual effects and the editing, and that, you know, it was like the Matrix mixed with train spotting and all these amazing films, right? But, um, I don't know, man, like two-thirds into the story, when I started realizing the philosophy that it was uh, pushing, I just got really, really, really sad. Because essentially it's the story of a family that... Um, they get caught up in the multiverse. Like there's multiple infinite universes and they figure out how to jump between universes and multiverses. Mm. And then their daughter is known in the multiverse as basically becoming too powerful because she can be all of her supposed identities from the entire infinite amounts of universes all at the same time. <laughs> it's great. It's, mm. it's weird to explain, but anyway, and you kind of lean into like what does what does it all mean, right? What is the point of life? And essentially what everything everywhere all at once communicates is that everything everywhere and all of these things mean nothing. And so when you come to the conclusion mm. and you get to the end of it all and you realize not, none of it means anything, we don't know why we're here, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what any of it means... You can either become a nihilist where you just hmm. want to destroy everything or give up on life, or you can become a hopeful <laughs> optimist and just love people. <laughs> yeah, but why? Yeah, what's the point exactly. of that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, like the night I'm watching it, I'm looking up like a question, a, cri a question, <laughs> a question response, a Christian response to try to figure out, man, there what are Christians saying about this movie? And I found this article from equip.org and this is what they wrote. In many ways, everything everywhere all at once perfectly captures the zeitgeist of now. A generally agnostic and globalized world interconnected like never before due to advances in technology, unsure of how the story of everything begins or how it will end, desperately searching for meaning amidst an ever-changing sea of ideas in the ever forward march of the good name of quote unquote progress. Hmm. And, and honestly, man, like I'm watching the movie and it's entertaining and it, it's trying to be hopeful at the end. Like just, just love people, man, just love people. And it's like, yeah, but like it, if it doesn't mean anything other than what I say, it means what does love even mean? Hmm. You know? Yeah. So anyway, interesting. That is the most, uh, awarded film of 2022 wow a movie that essentially mm. says it doesn't really mean anything nothing means anything we don't mean anything we don't know how we got here we don't know where we're going so just be be nice be a good person mm. <laughs> yeah that's scary yeah uh can you think of other films that uh, might preach this message yeah Stacey and i were talking about this last night um it's been a few years since I watched it, but remember uh, Interstellar? Yes. Yes, I 2014? Do. That's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's kind of this post-apocalyptic quest to find a more inhabitable planet Mm -hmm. for humanity because, you know, Earth is just, like, burning up and there's, you know, all kinds of natural disasters and stuff. And he ends up... It's really interesting because um, he ends up going into some kind of wormhole thing or black Mm -hmm. hole thing and then gets into a different dimension and is able to communicate to his family back on earth. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, that's kind of like a, like a d- hopeless scenario. Right, 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 right. Um, and there's no, there's no mention of a deity. There's no mention of, mm-hmm. of, of his absolute sense of morality. The other one I was thinking of was um, a really dark movie. Have you ever seen the road? Yes, I have. And I've read the book that, Ooh. that is definitely an atheistic worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really hopeless yep. uh, post. I think I'm assuming nuclear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armageddon. Um, yeah. Cool. As a heavy. Yeah. Movie so the writer of that novel, Cormac McCarthy, he also wrote No Country for Old Men. Mm. And they made a film about that, mm. which was phenomenal. It's a Coen Brothers film. Did you ever see No Country for Old Men? Nope. That's number two. No, I have not seen <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. You would really like that movie. It's a really good movie. But okay. yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of it. the. I don't know. I could push back on that to say that. Cormac McCarthy might be more of a hopeful agnostic because mm. in both of those novels, The Road and No Country for Old Men, there is a motif of the light. And mm. so that's kind of the last little part of the novel, The Road. The father says to the son, carry the light. We have to carry the light. Mm. And Yeah, it's like the whole goal of it is to try to get to the coast or something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There is there is a there is a hope. Right. Like there is direction and hope in the right. road. But it's very bleak and it's very dim. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one could say the light might be, you know, humanism, or one could say the light mm-hmm. might be faith in some higher power. Um but ultimately very, very bleak nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a classic film that preaches an atheistic worldview is a film called The Seventh Seal. It was a European, European film in 1957. Um, if you've ever seen clips of a a knight playing chess against the Grim Reaper, <laughs> I think it's been parodied a lot, but uh, that's from The Seventh Seal. But basically it's a knight returning to Sweden after the Crusades looking for answers about life and death and the existence of God. And he's playing chess against the Grim Reaper during the Black Plague. So, um, yeah. Very bleak, very hopeless. Uh, mm. Planet of the Apes. Did you ever watch the old Planet of the Apes in the 19, 1960s and 70s? Is number three? <laughs> no, I haven't. Is this my third? Or is... I think this is three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, the original ones were dark, dude. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know the premise of it, yeah. but I just haven't watched it. Basically, human evolution has taken us backwards, so apes are uh, mm. the ones that are intelligent life forms, and humans are... Um, the ones who can't speak and can't talk and are, you know, so pretty interesting worldview. And then Contact, we talked about Carl Sagan in our uh, UFO episode, but Contact was his novel about uh, life forms on other planets. And so a lot of sci-fi has this worldview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really interesting just to 
kind of see there there is I think an inconsistent philosophy in that um, we don't know how we got here we don't know where we're going we are all that there is we've got to figure out meaning so have hope be a good person mm-hmm. but that seems pretty inconsistent right <clears throat> I mean, because the big thing is, like, why should I be a good person? Why should I have hope if I'm just like a, a squirrel that gets hit by a truck, right? There's no there's no difference between me and that squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think deep down people kind of know that, that hold on to this worldview, but they're trying really hard to grab hold of that um, – house of cards that says there is morality and there is meaning and there is dignity to human life. But I don't think that's a consistent um, understanding of those things. If you hold to this worldview, it's kind of non sequitur. Hmm. I wonder if there will ever be like a collective rejection of this worldview in the West, especially at some point. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. We're becoming more spiritual, but not in a good mm-hmm. way, like in kind of a more, yeah. we're open now to some uh, pretty dark spiritual stuff now. But hmm. that kind of leads into story number two. Tell us about story number two. What's the second story that people believe about how we got here and where we're going and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be one of agnosticism, which is like, uh, we don't know. Agnosis is like, we're not sure mm-hmm. without knowledge. And hopeful universalism. We're going to package those together. Um, with in terms of origin, it's going to say basically we don't know for sure. There may or may not be a god or god or goddess, high, higher power, but we'll, we'll never truly know in this life. It'll say like there is probably a higher power out there, but we can't say for sure. Yeah. So we're thinking of looking of looking at films that have this uh, who we are in terms of identity. It says we matter a lot as humans. We may even be god or goddesses ourselves. Everyone is beautiful in their own way. Nothing is broken in us. And because of that, we have complete autonomy to make our own rules and live truth. Uh, In terms of meaning, we're looking for films that are going to say we're here to be happy, to love, and to do good. But we get to decide what that means. Hmm. In terms of morality, it's going to say anything that makes us happy is good. Uh, It causes anything that causes us to feel love or seems good to us. That's what is moral. Hmm. Uh, it's going to have subjective authenticity and subjective morality, uh, which that means basically it's going to change based on the subject right. that's viewing it and, and the highest virtues. Those are, that's all subjective opposed as opposed to objective. Okay. Um, bad people are those who oppose happiness or suppress authenticity or cause other people to not feel love and these bad people do harm or cause hurt to someone else. So that's what it says about morality. Uh, we're looking for films that do that. We're looking for films in terms of destiny. Uh, where are we going? That there might be some sort of afterlife. It's a good one, and pretty much everyone goes, unless you're super evil, like a Hitler or somebody like that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, can you think of any films that preach this message, this worldview? Yes, I can. Uh, that would be a film that came out this year and got nominated for an Oscar. It was very, 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 very famous or popular. And that was the film called The Whale. Did 
you hear about this film? Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Brendan right? Fraser, the guy from The Mummy. Yeah. So, pretty interesting. He was a kind of action hero, and he was in, like, George of the Jungle, Blast from the Past, The Mummy, all those big films in, like, the 90s. And then he hasn't really been in much since then. And then mm. he acted in this film and won the Oscar for Best Actor. So just as a performance from him, it's pretty amazing. Mm. It says, yeah, I was curious as I saw a preview for it. I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, big shocker there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it says, I was, I was curious of whether or not he put on all that weight. Because in the movie, <laughs> he's a 600-pound yes. man. And I was curious, like, did Brendan Fraser, like, gain a lot of weight for the purpose of this movie? And it's interesting, but he wore 300 pounds worth of prosthetics. Yes, yes, yes. yes. To play the role of Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the actor's role, makeup and prosthetics designer Adrian Morot had to construct a wearable 600-pound man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, an, it's an incredible performance. Uh, Darren Orfanowski was the director. He directed Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan and... A lot of those movies. Um, this was probably man. This one was a a mind bender. Like I watched this movie hmm. with my wife, and for two or three days, like my heart was super heavy because of kind of the message that it preached. Um, so the whale is about a guy named Charlie who is a morbidly obese shut-in who is dying of congestive heart failure because of his weight. He's over 600 pounds. He's on a nasal cannula with oxygen. And Mm. um, he's shut in. He teaches online classes for community college. And he is homosexual. You know that from the very first scene. It's pretty much the only graphic scene in in the movie. Like the movie opens with him watching pornography and he, you see that he's homosexual. And so it's like, okay, there's mm. that. And, um, basically there is like a evangelical church in the movie that's trying to proselytize him. That's trying to like save him basically. And so this young evangelical missionary starts to visit him and, there's one scripture over and over again that gets quoted, and that's Romans 8.13, which talks about if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if you live according to the Spirit, you'll live. But then you find out that Charlie's late boyfriend, who's, who's dead, um, grew up in that church and was driven to suicide because the church exiled him because he was gay. Hmm. And so the church has you know, the blood of an LGBTQ plus person on their hands. And so, um, you know, the missionary keeps quoting Romans eight thirteen, and, and then Charlie responds basically, okay, so God killed Alan. Alan died because he chose the flesh being gay over spirit, being faithful to God. And there's one point of the film where Charlie says to the missionary, you think Alan died because he chose to be with me. You think God turned his back on him because he and I were in love. And so, man, it, that it's just, it's really, really like the villain in the story is the church. The villain in the story mm-hmm. are the Christians. Mm-hmm. And the dangerous philosophy in the story is scripture. And so, um, 
Charlie, his message is authenticity and kind of love is love, sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He teaches this writing class online. He's always telling his students to be honest and to write honest things. And honesty is kind of the honesty and authenticity are kind of the most important things in this story. But then you find out that Charlie's authenticity and honesty led him to abandon his wife and daughter to go be with another man. And so Charlie's daughter hates him. <laughs> but it, but Charlie was honest and Charlie was authentic because Charlie decided to be homosexual, right? Hmm. And so honesty to self leads him to <laughs> abandon his family. And then hmm. it, honesty to self is leading him to eat two entire pizzas a day to the point where he's dying because of his obesity. And so it, man, it's just, it's like a mind bender because it's like, okay, so what do you say? Are you saying it's good to be authentic? But then like, look at all the pain and all the hurt caused by his authenticity. Mm. And so like the biggest villain is, uh, whatever hinders authenticity and whatever hinders authenticity in this story is the church and scripture and mm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the final shot of the whale is Charlie ascending into the light and lifting off the ground as he goes to heaven. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And that is one of the most awarded films of 2022, a film that wow. villainizes objective truth, scripture, and basically says, be authentic. <laughs> so it's a it's a mind bender for sure, man. It's one of those things that if you're a Christian and you watch it, it it's it messes you up because you're like, wow, this this is this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. One that I was thinking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but have you ever seen Life of Pi? Yes, I have. Yeah, absolutely. That would be this worldview. Yep. Yeah, yeah, kind of this. Um, well, I mean, it's it's a literal like salvation that is needed because he's shipwrecked and on this Mm -hmm. boat with all these different zoo animals, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them want to kill him because they're getting hungry as well in this shipwreck. And, uh, yeah, the ending is really interesting, but it is, it kind of has this universalist, um, hopeful agnostic kind of vibe to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You remember the show lost? I know we're talking more about, I, I remember you and Stacy were really big into the show Lost. I watched the first two seasons, yeah. but um, I don't think I watched enough to kind of know what worldview yeah. it, it preached. So that would that would be that would be hopeful universalism for sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everyone kind of in the show, all the characters end up in this church, and they all realize that maybe they were all dead this entire time, and they just needed to purify themselves or some mm-hmm. kind of like refinement process for them to be able to get into heaven it's some kind of like purgatory thing interesting yeah so i hope i hope if you never watched alert. Lost, i just <laughs> ruined the entire thing for you but i'm i'm okay with that because i'm mad at the creators of loss for such a horrible ending yeah but, you, you, do you yeah. know that show i've never known anyone to watch that show that's not like white like the whitest show on television was the show lost hmm. if you're if you're african-american or you're Latino, please send me an email because I would love to love to find out if you're a fan of Lost. Because all of my friends mm. that are that are black, I ask them, I'm like, do you like the show Lost? They're like, no, I hate that show. That's so terrible. And then all my <laughs> friends that are white are like, oh, the best show ever. So, 
That's my yeah. theory. It's the whitest show ever, and I think it's called Lost because that's how I felt at the end of every episode. Lost. So, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah, you cannot pick up in the middle of that show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Watching it. You no. Have to. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. This is probably one of the dominant worldviews of our day. Just a subjective authenticity, subjective morality. Bad people are those who say, you know, there is objective truth, and no, you need to live according to a certain standard of right and wrong. Those are bad people because who are you to get in the way of my happiness? And it's interesting that films are really kind of pushing this message um and i think the the battleground where you really see um this worldview conflict with a worldview that says there is such a thing as real truth is over the issue of sexuality and and the whale kind Mm. of does that in, in a very dramatic form so um yeah uh let's move on to our next story within a story then that'd be what gabe well that'd be ones that teach a moralistic or therapeutic deism and going through these questions of origin where do we come from this would say that there is a god who created us he wants us to do good and not bad god is generally uninterested however in the affairs of humanity and doesn't do much to intervene in our daily lives Hmm. Uh, in terms of identity it says we are created beings that are here on earth to do good and not bad And in terms of meaning, this worldview is going to say we're supposed to be happy and do good things and not bad things. When it comes to morality, this worldview or these films are going to say we all kind of know which things are good and which things are bad. So as long as we're a good person, we'll be okay. Hmm. With destiny, this, this destiny, where we're going, this worldview is going to say there's a heaven and there's a hell. Heaven is good for good people and hell is for bad people. So it seems like we're getting more and more specific here with these worldviews. Yeah. Um, but one of the films I, I remember, I, I really like this film, uh, which if, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's called Ushpazin. Hmm. Ushpazin. Uh, I have never seen uh, that one. Yeah, it's Ush, like U-S-H-P-I-Z-I-N. And it's all, it's it's actually an Israeli movie. It's all in hmm. Hebrew. Uh, it's about these, these uh, Orthodox Jews who are extremely poor, uh, and they can't pay rent, and they they live month to month trying to trying to figure out how they're going to pay rent. And uh, the festival of of uh, booths, the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, is coming up. And in this in this holiday, it's very important that you construct your sukkah outside your home, and then you fill it with guests. You have guests every night in your sukkah, and you feed them, and you lavish them with with you know entertainment and and food and gifts and stuff. But they're super poor. And uh, so it's a really it's a really cool, and they end up getting visited by these ex convicts. Well, actually, they're like fugitives hmm. that have escaped, escaped prison. So they're they're on the run from the law, and they stumble into these people's sukkah, and they're like, "Wait a second, you know, you're just going to feed us every night? You're just going to let us sleep here every night?" And so hmm. um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, they're they're Orthodox Jews, so they have this morale, they have this deistic uh, deist um, worldview. Yeah. But they don't believe in in, in Jesus, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, it is it is really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of praying. There's a lot of a lot of uh, contemplating morality for yeah. sure. So I want to say that probably you saw this worldview in the early days of Hollywood. So probably in the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s, mm-hmm. this would have been the worldview that mm-hmm. most people would have had, right? Um, <laughs> so trying to find modern 
shows or, or movies with this worldview is actually quite difficult because I think most people don't have this worldview anymore in Hollywood. Um, so, I mean, that would make sense that it's an Israeli film because this would have probably been the probably mm-hmm. the, the predominant Israeli worldview. Um, there is a God, but he doesn't really, you know, as long as you're good, you'll get in. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of the essence is like doing acts of charity and, and yeah. good good deeds. Yeah. And that pleases God. Also, the other one. Remember, this is super fuzzy. In my remember, my memory is um, <laughs> it's gonna make you laugh. All dogs go to yes, heaven. yes. I actually almost <laughs> put that in the show notes because I was like, yeah, that's really? totally it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, kind of a, uh, but that you know, it's an animated film, but it's like yeah, it very much preaches this message. Yeah. Oddly enough, um, so three that I could think of. The uh, first was actually a TV show called The Good Place. Hmm. This is a. Uh, Ted Danson and um, oh gosh, what is her name? She's in Frozen. She's married to Dax Shepard, Kristen Bell. Yeah. So it's a show about a woman, Eleanor Shellstrop, who dies, and she goes to the good place, but then she realizes mm. she's there by mistake, <laughs> and she has to hide the fact that she's been a bad person, and she tries to become a better person. So she doesn't get kicked out of the good place. And it's funny and it's a really funny show, but at the same time you're like, okay, so what are we what are we saying? Right? Mm-hmm. This thing called the good place, that's where good people go, and you know, you've walked old ladies across the street and you've recycled and you've done good things, and so that's why you get to go to the good place, right? And it's kind of revealing as to how people think about heaven and hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what dreams may come? With uh, Robin Williams, 1998, the uh, guy dies in a car accident and he goes to heaven, and then he discovers that his wife killed herself out of grief, mm-hmm. and um, she goes to kind of a, a circle of the afterlife that's like really dark and bleak, and so he leaves the good part of the afterlife to go get her from the, the bleak, dark part of the afterlife, and so that's kind of this worldview right you never really see mention of god it's like you see angels and you see heaven but you don't really see god it's kind of like deism and then of course there's the classic nicholas cage film city of angels <laughs> mm. do you remember this one i don't want the world yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. don't think that they'd understand nicholas cage is an angel he falls mm. in love with meg ryan is nicholas cage a good actor or a bad actor I say bad. Yeah? I say bad, yeah. He's been in Raising he's in, Arizona. Like, wind, wind Talkers. He's been in some great right? films. Yeah, I, I don't like I don't like his, his acting. I know it's it's some people absolutely love his acting. I just I just I, I feel like when he's acting, he's always very conscious of the camera being right there. Like he can like he, he he's aware Have of that. Have you seen him in the movie Adaptation? You're gonna say no, aren't you? I am going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, every movie you ask me if I've seen, I will say yeah, no yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would say in the movie Matchstick Man and the movie Adaptation, he shows his acting chops. He's actually in Matchstick Man. Matchstick, he was, he was, he was decent. Yeah. I, I, okay. yeah. I mean, he's he's a better actor than I am. Obviously, yeah, but, but like, like, I think I just don't like his acting. <laughs> Whatever movie it is where he gets put in a cage of bees and he's not the bees. Ah, that kind of ruined him i think for a lot of people 
that what happened to I, him? Like where you is know, he? Here's the th- he just dropped off the ring. No, no, he's still in films. He's just in some stinkers. Oh, yeah, okay. I think that uh, truthfully, what happened to him is he went bankrupt and he had to keep acting in movies that were bad to mm. keep making money. So he kind of spoiled his reputation yeah. as an he's, actor. He's, he's come. He, he, yeah, he's been in a couple of good ones recently. But anyway, mm-hmm. City of Angels, really interesting movie. There's an angel who falls in love with a mortal woman. He tries to become human in order to be with her. And so he mm. makes the transition from immortality and discovers kind of the human experience of love and loss and all that stuff. And so, yeah, uh, belief in the afterlife, that's where good people go. Belief in angels, all that stuff. But um, very much good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell, and God is completely absent, right? There is heaven, there is mm. angels, but, you know, God's just kind of disinterested and detached, right? And there's a lot of people who believe mm. that, and that's kind of their understanding of how this works but as christians we know that the story of how we got here and where we're going and who we are stands apart from any of those stuff so so gabe what's the 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 true story of all these things what the true story is the gospel of redemption the good news of redemption and this worldview which i hold to says that we were created by an independent, unchangeable, infinite, impersonal, eternal, and omnipresent triune God who knows us, loves us, and desires to have a relationship with us. Hmm. With identity, this worldview says that we are personalized, we're intricate, beautiful creations of a personal creative God. We were designed with gifts and talents and abilities and personality for a specific purpose and a reason. We are loved by God and he desires a relationship with us. In terms of our meaning, this worldview says you are here to enjoy God and glorify him forever. Nothing else in this world will give you the kind of meaning fulfillment your heart hungers for. Uh, Since we're created by God in terms of morality and made in his image, we're to enjoy and glorify him forever. And we enjoy or we should according to his word and his commandments. Um, And then lastly, in terms of destiny, this worldview is going to say all of us will die someday. But God has offered us eternal life through Jesus. If we will believe on and trust in him through Jesus Christ, we can escape God's judgment and be issued a full pardon. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't see too many films, TV shows yeah. come out of Hollywood that preach this worldview. <laughs> outside, of, yeah, I mean, outside of Christian, like cheesy Christian yeah. movies, there isn't any. And that, right. don't get me going on, on <laughs> Christian cinema. Uh, Honestly, though, Gabe, I think that uh, more Christian cinema preaches therapeutic moralistic deism than it does gospel. Mm. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not dogging those Christians that are trying hard to put out Christian movies. That's hard. I think they we've made some strides over the years. Um, the Chosen, I think, mm-hmm. is a huge win for for Christian mm-hmm. uh, art. Yeah, I think that's take that's that's. A step up, yes, for raised raised the standard for sure in terms of storytelling and yeah. acting and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's difficult for us in such a media saturated, entertainment reliant culture as Christians, because if we're going to watch a film to be entertained, um, we're probably going to have our worldview contradicted or rubbed against by other worldviews. Mm-hmm. 
I saw a smirk on your face. I was trying to figure out what you were thinking was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered one of my favorite movies, which I forgot. <laughs> what a, What about Bob? Yes! What you about have, Bob? Oh, I love What baby About steps, Bob. Baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Oh, that movie is... If you have not seen What About Bob, you have to see What About Bob. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, such a good nostalgic movie. I too. just think it's funny that you thought about What About Bob right as we're talking mm-hmm. about the biblical worldview. Yeah, I don't know how yeah, it popped, it just in, my popped mind, in your mind. And you got you got a happy face. It's just thinking of Bill, Bill Murray. I have to. Wa- I want to watch that. Like <laughs> I want to watch that ASAP now because it's been a few years since I've seen it. And yeah. Another great movie, uh, which you may have seen this one, uh, Pure Luck. This came out in like the eighties no. or maybe the early nineties. I don't even know, yeah. but just stupid. Like uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, Nineteen ninety one. Okay, Pure uh, and it has. Luck. It has Danny Glover okay. and Martin Short. Man. Oh, but it's so is good, it, Is man. it purposely Just, stupid or is it like an unintentionally dumb? Uh, it's about... Let's so see. Martin Short's character is... He, he has horrible luck. Everything he does goes wrong. And he's hired by this private investigator to find a girl who was kidnapped in Mexico or lost in Mexico on vacation who has a similar situation and she everything she does goes wrong and she ends up getting lost and she she gets amnesia hits her head real oh, hard gosh. and so he hires him to try to maybe their bad luck will lead them to each other <laughs> and it is hilarious man it's so right. good okay look that one but up but just cheesy cheesy good cheesy 90s yes. movie just like what about oh, Bob oh that's great um i also really like films that are so bad they're good do you, do you mm. like films that are so bad they're good? Like Trolls 2? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, just oh. horribly, horribly, horribly bad. Uh, not Trolls 2. Troll 2. Yeah, Troll 2 is... It, it, there's no way to explain it. You just have to watch it. It's so it's so mm. awful that it, it makes me laugh. I've watched it a couple of times because it's so bad. Um, it makes zero sense. It's the most like... Yeah. And then, of course, there's the, the Citizen Kane of bad movies, and that is The Room with Tommy Wiseau. Do you know about The Room? <laughs> no, I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> i got to send you some clips. Okay. Oh, man, so many good quotes from The Room. No. To me, it's like that. anything with like a big bubbly red font on the title of the movie, I'm just not going to yeah. watch. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. That whole in, in early two thousands, there was just a string of movies that came out like that. Just oh yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing about the room. Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, the guy it was Tommy Wiseau. He's from like Poland or somewhere in the east. He ran into a bunch of money. He's from the Eastern Europe somewhere. Ran into a bunch of money, came to the U.S. and wrote, starred in, and directed this film. And he had the money to actually hire like a real Hollywood cast. Hmm. And his English is so bad, and his acting is so terrible, and the the script is completely nonsensical, and the whole movies make zero sense. And because it makes zero sense, and because he, he hardly can speak English, <laughs> it is the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, yeah, there's oh, okay, so, yeah, it has three point six yeah, stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, on it's IMDb. horrible. Some of the quotes are just you know, <laughs> you're tearing me apart, That's... Lisa. Oh, hi, Mark. I have seen clips yes. of this. Yeah, I'm looking at the preview oh, now. Oh, so, man. Yeah. yeah. That, that's so fascinating, though, because 
in American culture, it's like you can be so bad at something that people actually it finds sympathy with people, yes. and it actually ends up being yeah. really kind of this cult following, yeah, and it ends up room. making you yeah. tons of money. That's the room. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> so how do we as Christians practice biblical discernment in media as we're closing up? First thing is, um, hey, just because something is popular and everybody's watching it doesn't mean you have to watch it too. Like I talked about how Jenny and I look at the list of movies that come out every year. There's some movies I'm just not going to watch, right? There was a movie on that list called Babylon. I read some stuff about it. It's full of sex, debauchery, nudity, horrible language. I'm just not watching it, right? Just because it's popular doesn't mean you have to watch it. Like, your allegiance should be first and foremost to your King Jesus, and it causes you to sell out your faith, being entertained. That's not worth it. So, obviously, with content, you've got to ask yourself the question, is it more important for me to be entertained or for me to be allegiant to King Jesus? And so I think that's a no-brainer with that. But a few few helpful questions to ask as you watch that movie is, as you're watching this movie, what is the point of the story? Like, what, what are they saying? What's the message being preached by this film? Um, what is it that makes life meaningful or good in this story? Um, how does the film address life's ultimate questions? Uh, what does salvation look like in this story world? Right? What, what is the unpardonable sin? Like in the movie The Whale, the unpardonable sin is the church saying there is objective truth and you're in sin, right? That's that's the unpardonable sin, according to that movie. Um really asking the question, like, what does this movie say about God? Is God absent? Is God present? Is there no God? Is God unknowable? And I think when we start to ask those questions, we can kind of see and sniff out, okay, this this is how a lot of people think. And then, honestly, I feel like that it can be really helpful when you're talking with folks about Christ and, and sharing your faith. So pretty interesting to think through, so... Yeah, Gabe. Any any other uh, obscure early '90s films you want to throw in there before we sign off? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are you a Princess Bride guy? No. You love Princess Bride? Uh, so I didn't watch Princess Bride until I married Stacy. Oh, your wife and would be a big Princess Bride fan. I yeah. finally got to sit down and watch it, and yeah, it is funny. Yeah, yeah. so it, it wasn't. It didn't enter my life in that very formative stage of my life like it did her. Yeah. So. It's not as meaningful and nostalgic as it is to her, but <laughs> it is it is a funny movie though. The good pirate Wallace takes no survivors. <laughs> that was my Andre the Giant impersonation. So yeah, marriage, marriage is what brings us here today. That blessed mm. arrangement, that dream within a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, if you've got film suggestions for Gabe and I, especially really funny, obscure, early 90s comedy, or for me, movies so bad that they're actually good, send them our way at beersandbottlepodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on the Facebook or YouTube, and we will see you guys next time. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.